Welcome to Campus Sunday at Grace Point Church. I feel like I'm at a TED Talk. Welcome to my TED Talk. If you are a college student, I am so happy that you're here. My name is Brittany Martinez. I'm one of the campus ministers at Grace Point Church. We've shown a couple videos about some other campus ministers with ENC. Uh, Every Nation Campus is the long version of the acronym. Grace Point and ENC is a part of a global movement called Every Nation, which exists to honor God and advance his kingdom by planting churches, doing world missions, and doing campus ministry so we can reach the next generation. And so we've seen a couple videos about some other campus ministers in North America, but I wanted to take a moment to introduce you, not just students, adults, this is for you as well, um, to our local campus staff. Hey, how's it going? Uh, My name's Christian Martinez. I am her husband. And I was just up here earlier. Um... (laughs) I'm not funny. Uh, so the, uh, that was funny. I, <laughs> I'm off track. I am the campus minister here at uh, Grace Point, and I'm also the campus representative at ACU and McMurray. And so let's give it up. Come on, Wildcats, go Wildcats. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I guess the reason why I, I chose campus ministry, um, for those who don't know, actually, I, we started ENC my freshman semester. Um, and I've been here, been doing campus ministry. I've been in ENC at ACU for almost, uh, not going on 10 years, about nine years. Um, I chose it um, because God chose me, and I saw the transformation that happened in me as a stubborn kid, and that Christ transformed me into someone who is going to be used for his purposes on the kingdom, and specifically on the campus, and I'm forever indebted to his calling, and I will go where he sends me, so. That's good. Hi, everyone. My name is Britton Trotter. Uh, I am, my primary mission field is at Hardin-Simmons University. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm actually, I've, I was at ACU for a long time, and I just got transferred there, so I am super excited to get to work with you guys more. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, my, uh, why do I do campus ministry? I want to see Christians grow as leaders, and not just not just like you know specific Christians. I want all Christians to grow as leaders. And at at the universities here in Abilene, we have a, a unique experience of having three private Christian universities, and so a lot of students have heard and know about the gospel, but they don't really take it to their hearts. They don't live that lifestyle. And so my goal is to see students become leaders and to share their lives and in turn the gospel with others. And to not just do that while they're in school, but to do that once they graduate. And that becomes a lifelong lifestyle. That no matter where they move, once they leave here in Abilene, because most of you will, that you take that with you and you take it to the entire world. And so that's my passion. So I love you guys. I'm really glad you're here. We also have a third or a fourth campus staff member who's not here this morning. She's in a wedding that's happening in like two hours in Houston. So unless she somehow got the gift of teleportation, um, she wasn't going to be here for this. Her name is LJ Carson. She is primarily on, well, she's on two campuses. She's working with Hardin-Simmons and McMurray. So you'll notice a lot of us are kind of split up. 
and I'm not going to tell you why she's doing campus ministry. You'll just have to ask her for yourself next week because she has a pretty good testimony and a good reason for why she's in it. So give it up for local campus staff. Like I said, my name is Brittany Martinez. I am the campus director for all things ENC here at Grace Point Church. I'm the head honcho, and this is a relatively new role for me, um, so I'm still trying to get the hang of it, still trying to get used to it. Used to it. It's weird being the boss. I'm very, more, very much more comfortable with someone else just telling me what to do versus me telling other people what to do. There's, there's too much power there, and I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it. I am primarily working as a liaison between the campus ministry and Grace Point Church as our local church um, and the uh, national Every Nation campus and Every Nation office, although I do have some ACU girls that I love and care about so very much, but honestly, if anything has to do with campus ministry, anything college-related, I'm the person to talk to because the other guys are doing too many other things, so come find me. Um, if you have any questions or if you want to get involved, if you have any problems or complaints, go to Pastor Rich because then he will correct me and disciple me in the way I need to go. <laughs> so the reason I'm doing campus ministry, I'm going to take a little more time than I gave the guys. I grew up in the church. I was saved when I was seven, made that decision at a VBS one summer with my mom as my teacher. And like a good Southern Baptist, I got baptized the Sunday after because you can't go too long without being baptized. Like, that's just what you do. And I loved God. I loved him so much. And so when I realized that I needed to get saved to be with him and go to heaven, I was like, wait, I thought, I thought that was already done because I'm always at the church. I'm always praying. I'm always like with my family at the church. We were at the church four or five times a week just to put that in perspective. And so I grew up surrounded by the love of God and the love of a really good family that raised me in the way that I was supposed to go. And I knew that in high school, my freshman year, I knew that I was called to do full-time campus or full-time ministry, vo vocational ministry. But because I was a single woman at the point, I thought my only options were to do kids, children's ministry. I had never babysat. So that was automatically not an option. And the only other thing I could think of was international missions. And so my entire high school career, as I'm just enjoying being in church and being with spiritual family, um, knowing that I'm going to heaven when I die, I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to do with my life. And it never really sat right. I don't know the right like motion to use to get you to get that, but it never just felt secure. And I was serving in the youth group. I was leading worship in the youth group. And I was doing all these things, but something just didn't, it wasn't clicking, it wasn't meshing. So I came to college, I came to ACU, fall of 2010, and very roundabout way, a whole other part of my testimony that you can ask me about, because I love talking about it. Um, I got involved with Grace Point and ENC as a student my end of the freshman year. And through my involvement with ENC and with Grace Point, I realized that, one, being a Christian is more than just going to heaven when you die. Jesus died for us on the cross so we could be in relationship with God. And that starts now. We don't get to experience fully because brokenness and sin still exist. 
but we don't have to wait to heaven to spend time with God. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to be in relationship with him. There's so much more freedom and victory and life when you're doing life with God. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. The second thing I realized through my involvement with ENC and Grace Point was that to be a missionary doesn't mean I have to move to France when I graduate from college. There is a very real and present need to minister to the college students on our campus right here. My life was changed. If a good Christian girl from small town East Texas could go her young adult life up until college thinking that being a Christian was just going to heaven when she died, what are our current students walking through? As a campus minister, I have the privilege of developing a team of partners that support me financially and prayerfully, and really just like moral support, because campus ministry is hard sometimes. Before I could get to the campus, I needed to get my team, because this is my job, this is my career. So how do I have a full-time career and get paid for it is kind of what it came down to. But also, I need people to be a part of what I'm doing because of the Great Commission, which we'll get into here in a minute. So asking people to be a part of what I'm doing here in Abilene as I reach college students. When I graduated from ACU, I had been a student leader for two years in the ministry. I was an intern my senior year, and then when I graduated in the May of 2014, I went to the Every Nation Campus School of Campus Ministry, and it was like missionary boot camp missionary training 101 where they taught us almost everything we needed to know that could be taught in a classroom that you didn't need hands-on on the ground training and I was so excited because I had found my calling well I had first found out that I could be in relationship with God here before I die and then I found my calling and I knew it's what I was supposed to do and then I go to the school and I get all this training and I'm so excited to go back to campus to reach college students and preach the gospel and make disciples and see them saved and see them come to church and just see them love Jesus as much as I loved him but then I'm four hours away from a campus my campuses raising my team away from spiritual family that brought me into where I am now, that made me who I am today, that was heavily involved in those two big realizations in my life, what my calling was and my relationship with the Lord. And I was four hours away for six months. It was hard and it was lonely and it was frustrating and I cried a lot. But I encountered God in a new way in a very raw and vulnerable way, because I was raw and vulnerable. And I learned something about myself. I am not as tough or self-sufficient as I like to think I am. Being surrounded by people who love me and care about me was one of my rocks in my life. And when that suddenly was taken away, I had to look to God for my strength for my worth, for my value, for, I'm, for my identity, to confirm the calling that I was walking in because no one was around to be able to do that for me. And one of the verses that I leaned so heavily on is in Romans. And I hesitate to say it's my life verse because the Bible wasn't written about me, so I don't, I don't know how I feel about just saying, yes, this is mine, this is about me. 
Um, but in this passage, Paul is talking to the Romans, and he's talking about Abraham, how Abraham was justified through faith. He says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. It's so good on so many levels, but let me break it down just uh, on a couple points. Number one, we see in this scripture that Abraham's faith increased in the waiting. He was in the in-between where he had the promise. He could see what was coming. He knew it was going to come, but he didn't have it yet. But he grew strong in his faith. He continued trusting that God would come through and uphold his end of the deal, that God would play the role that only he could play. As he waited and trusted, he wasn't salty or sulking. Like some of us, I'll just speak for myself, I'm not going to call any of you guys out because that's not fair. But for me, how many times have I been in the middle or the in-between, and I know something is going to change, I know something's going to happen, I know God is moving, but it's not there yet. And so I'm just... Okay, God, hello, don't you know this is important? And I get real salty and sarcastic, and I start to sulk and withdraw from him. But we see that Abraham didn't do that. He honored and glorified God. And the second thing, I kind of hit on it a couple seconds ago, the cool thing about scripture is that none of it was written to us. We do not live in Rome at the time that Paul wrote this letter. We are not the actual recipients. But the Bible was written for us. So we're allowed and encouraged to glean from the scriptural truths and the principles and to learn from people's mistakes in the Bible and apply it to our own lives. So this passage in, Roman, in Romans can apply to any of the promises or things that you're waiting on. This isn't the main point of my sermon, but think for a second. What are you waiting on from God? What is something that you see in scripture that you don't see in your life? Or a promise he's given you? Is it a family member to come to Christ? Or even to come to church? Is it financial freedom or financial provision so you can be more generous? Is it freedom from a specific sin or lifestyle? Is it a broken relationship to be made whole? And then this one, college students, I know you'll understand this, but also adults, as a, an adult now-ish, I can verify that this applies to adults too. Are you waiting on God to tell you what to do next? Are you waiting for the next step? So those are all individual things that we're waiting on. And you're not alone and you're waiting. That's why we have each other, because we're all waiting on something. <laughs> we all have these individual things that we want to see manifest in our lives or in the lives of others. And we know God can do it. And we're just waiting for him to do what only he can do. But corporately, as a church, and not just Grace Point Church, but as a capital C church, so all believers in the world that have existed and ever will exist, what can we look forward to? 
So the promise I want to hold in front of us today, it's almost more of a vision, really, and looking at it as a target of what can be, is Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What an awesome picture of what our future is like. There is no disunity. There's no divisiveness. There's, there's just unified people coming together to worship God. And one of my favorite things about Grace Point and just church in general is that we get a little glimpse of what that looks like here and now. Because look around you. The people in this room are different. Some would argue that we have more things that separate us or that make us different than we have in common. But as believers, we have the most important thing in common, and that is Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross and made it possible for us to look at this picture in Revelation and know that it is going to happen, despite what it looks like right now. So how do we get from here where we see that promise, we see that vision, we, we are almost holding that as a target, like, yes, we're working towards that. We know it's going to happen, but it's not here yet. To actually seeing the promise fulfilled. Obviously, a big part of that is God. He can only come back himself. Jesus will come back when he wants to, when God tells him to, and we can't control that. But what is our part in that? And I, I would say that we are supposed to actively wait. So we're waiting because we can't do everything. But we're not just sitting, twiddling our thumbs, expecting God to do everything. We have a role and responsibility to play in this as the body, as the bride, as the church of Christ. And well, that's great, right? But what does that look like? That looks like honoring God and advancing his kingdom by preaching the gospel and making disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is also known as the Great Commission. For those of you who don't know, it's called the Great Commission. And honestly, if I'm ever on a stage with a microphone, the Great Commission will make an appearance and you will hear it. Because how can you talk about the gospel without then responding with an action? The Great Commission is our action, our response to the gospel. But let's, let's go through some quick thoughts on this. When someone passes away, their last words mean a lot. They're surrounded by, hopefully surrounded by close family and friends, and their last words might be some encouragement to not grieve as much or to make an easier process through grieving, or maybe it's a challenge, or I hid the treasure here, whatever it is. Last words are important. If they're important for us, and we listen to the last words that people say, 
before they pass away, how much more so should we listen to Jesus' last words? In this part of Matthew, Jesus had done his entire ministry. He had died. He came back to life. And he's about to ascend into heaven. But before he goes, he says these last words to his disciples. If anybody can say they have all authority, it'd probably be someone who died and came back from the dead by themselves. So listen to Jesus because you haven't died and brought yourself back to life yet. So listen to Jesus. And then we see in the last part of the verse that he says, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And I just read that and I can't help but just say praise God because ministry is hard, making disciples is hard, and I don't think I'd be able to do this if Jesus didn't promise to be doing it with me or to be with me as I do it. And he actually promised the Holy Spirit to come to be a helper for us as we do this. So praise God he promised to do it. But we see there he promised to be with us to the end of the age. The end of the age. What could happen at the end of the age? every tribe, every nation, every tongue worshiping the Lord. He has promised to be with us as we go and make disciples until that happens. So we have the target. We have this vision that we see in Revelation. We have this command, this great commission to go and make disciples. But where do we start? There's a lot of people in the world, right? You got friends, you got family, you got coworkers, you got um, students in your class got people at church. I don't know. You got a lot of people. And I would say that we start with the next generation because someday we're all going to die and our kids are going to be in charge. And parents, if that stresses you out or overwhelms you, this is why I do campus ministry. (laughs) This is why we have programs like Grace Kids and Arise Youth and then other programs like Awanas and VBS and youth camps. These are all good things because they are catered towards reaching the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, one step further, I would say the college campus is especially critical and strategic. So, why? Why the campus? I'm glad you asked. You guys are asking a lot of questions. I'm glad I have answers prepared. Number one, we reach the campus because we can reach future leaders. The students that are on campus right now, and students, I'm not talking about you in the third person, you are, in, you are students. Students are gonna graduate in one to five years. They're gonna go on to become teachers, doctors, politicians, eventually a president, These students are going to impact the world if we are able to reach them with the gospel. They will not only have an impact on the world just in general, they can have a kingdom impact because these are the future leaders of our society. People follow leaders. Number two, we can impact the nations. The world's best and brightest are coming to North America for an education. And especially in our 
small town, we have a really high number of international students. And if you're an international student, I love you and I care about you. And again, I'm not talking about you in the third person. But if we are able to reach international students with the gospel, when they graduate, they maybe return home. And then the influence they have will not just be with whatever degree they obtained, but with the gospel as well. They will return home with more than just intellectual knowledge, but with knowledge of the most high God and an intimate personal relationship with him. Number three, we reach the campus because we can reach the family. When you have good news, whether it's you're pregnant or you got engaged or you passed a really hard class or maybe it's just you didn't fail the really hard class, you tell the people closest to you. And who's closer to you than your family? We have this good news. We have this gospel. And when we reach students, they want to share it with the people they care most about, their family. Number four, we reach the campus because 90% of Christians, 90% of Christians make the decision to follow Christ before they turn 25. So programs like all the stuff that caters toward kids and youth are so great. But the college campus is the last place to reach a whole lot of students all at once before they hit that age limit. And yes, college students graduate when they're 22, 23, at least from undergrad. And so they would technically still have a two or three year buffer grace period in the real world. 90% before they turn 25. I will fight you if you tell me the college campus isn't important. Number five, college students are a great mission field, but an even greater mission force. If you look through recent church history, you will see that nearly every single revival that has broken out in North America has begun on a college campus. Did you guys know this? It's not just stuff that happens on those revival weekends that church, churches host. Though those are good. the college campus, because students want what's real. And what's more real than our God? And when he moves in powerful and miraculous ways, it catches on like wildfire, and it cannot be contained. So it's a great mission field, but an even greater mission force because as students catch hold of this vision, as students begin to participate and own the great commission, nothing can stop them. And as students, I implore you, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. And that includes yourself. You probably think, because this is what I thought when I was a student, okay, so I'm a freshman, I'm only here for four years, I'll get serious about Jesus when I graduate and start my life. You have the possibility of having such a great impact on your campus, even this semester. And we want you to, to be a part of what we're doing because you can't do it alone. So I know probably thinking, next generation's important. Yes, I get it. Good luck doing campus ministry. Let me know how I can pray for you. See you next week. 
Nice try. You're not getting off the hook. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In case you didn't notice, that's only two sentences. So I got the message paraphrase to hopefully make it easier to understand. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alike Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. That's more than two sentences, but it's still pretty lengthy, right? You want a more bite-sized chunk? This is the Brittany Martinez translation. <clears throat> God gave us leaders to train the rest of us to do ministry. As we do ministry, the body of Christ will be built, and we don't stop doing ministry until we're all mature and complete and as much like Christ as we can be and not distracted by anything else. As we do ministry, we grow, and we follow Christ as he leads us in doing ministry together. Good luck trying to pass the responsibility on to the church staff and pastors after reading this, at least with a clear conscience, because I don't know how you can argue with that. We are all responsible to do the work of ministry. We are all responsible to do the work of ministry. Preaching the gospel isn't just for church on Sunday mornings. It's for your family or your residence hall or the coffee shop or your workplace. And it's not going to look like what I'm doing right now. There are more ways to preach the gospel than an official, formal Sunday sermon. Making disciples also isn't just for the leaders or professional Christians, those of us that get paid to do ministry. It's for everybody who says they are a follower of Christ. Surprise. You're enlisted in the army of God. So to kind of talk about the difference between one person or a pastor or a campus minister following the Great Commission and why we need everyone to obey the Great Commission. I got a whiteboard, obviously. I think it's a good angle. Yeah, I think last service it was not a good angle. So, as a campus minister, this is me. Let's say I have four hours to disciple girls at ACU, okay? So I spend one hour discipling each of the four girls. 
It's a good system, right? And then next semester, I will do another four girls because I spent time with those girls and they're good. They don't need me anymore. Now I'm going to start meeting with four other girls. So that's awesome because eight girls by the end of the school year will have been discipled and trained in the word and it's good, right? But what if I spent those four hours a week between two girls? So two hours each. Two girls. But instead of just discipling them in the word and reading the Bible with them and praying with them, I equip and empower them to make disciples themselves. So this is like one semester. Next semester, those two girls start discipling two more girls. Okay, so four, not, not as good as eight, but still a decent reach by the time the school year ends. But then next year hits, and those people disciple two people each. Do you see how this could grow way faster than just me discipling four girls at a time? To put it on a broader scale, I hosted an imaginary competition between 10,000 churches reaching 1,000 people every year and one person <laughs> reaching one person a year. Who would reach 7 billion people faster? So year one, we see that the 10,000 churches have reached 10 million people. The one guy has two people. <laughs> Not looking so hot. Year five, we're up to 50 million and 64 people. Year 10, 100 million and 2,000 people. Year 15, 150 million and 65,000 people. Keep in mind, we're trying to get to 7 billion. I think, remember how big 7 billion is for a second. After 30 years, the 10,000 churches will have reached 300 million. The one guy equipping and empowering other people to make disciples will have reached 2 billion. That's close, but pretty sure we're gonna go beyond seven billion people by the time 30 years have passed, right? We gotta account for population growth. 35 years, 10,000 churches will have reached 350 million. One guy will have reached 68 billion because it's multiplication. Because he's not just preaching the gospel and making disciples of himself. He's making disciples with the gospel of Christ that tells every disciple to make disciples. To see successful discipleship making from a different perspective, think in terms of the entire population of the planet. Nearly one third of Earth's people currently follow Christ. If we would each make just two disciples, we could evangelize the world within our lifetime. If those disciples each discipled two, we could get the job done in a couple decades. Think about this for a moment. The implications are real and worthy of your investment of time, energy, and love in another person, even if the results of your efforts seem unspectacular. This is why we do this. This is why we preach the gospel and make disciples. But why does it matter? Why should we do this? Other than the numbers that are on the screen and that handy quote that I just threw up there as well. The short answer 
is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived, and he died the death we should have died in our place. On the third day, he rose from the dead, proving he's the son of God and offering new life to all those who believe and repent in him. We choose to sin. We chose to sin. And when we chose that, it broke relationship with God because he loves us so much, he gave us free will. Free will to choose him or not. And so when we chose not, it created this chasm between us and him. And God gave us the solution in Jesus. When he didn't have to, he could have let us suffer the consequences of our own decision and just said, okay, you don't want me, that's fine. But he gave us Jesus. If you have been saved, if you have been set free, if you have been redeemed and made whole in your relationship with the Lord, we owe him our whole life, starting now, not just in heaven. Jesus' death on the cross made it possible for us to be back in right relationship with God and with others. But we also have hope. Hope that the picture we see portrayed in Revelation is coming. That this is not the final, the final answer. That there is more. That we are called to more. So we have hope that that is coming, that there's more to come, that everything will be fixed, that everything will be made whole, everything will be restored, and we can look forward to the future in heaven because of the hope we have in Jesus, where we see every tribe, every nation, every people, and every tongue, and every language worshiping God wholly and fully because he's worth it. So why preach the gospel and make disciples? As believers, there's nothing else we can do. And why the college campus? Why not? We have a special opportunity to reach the next generation on the universities here in our city. And college students, you are invited to be a part of what we're doing. It's going to be hard. You're probably going to get mad at us mad at someone else in the family. But we believe we are called to something higher, something bigger, and something much greater than we can accomplish on our own. At this time, I'm going to have the rest of the campus staff and Pastor Rich join me, and we'll pray for college students. Amen. Come on, get a lot of hand clap, somebody. Everyone say there's more. Say there's more. Say there's something more than going to church. There's something more than giving a tithe. There's something more than my own life. The more is Jesus. His mission is the more. Amen. That wonderful um, presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody.
I am so excited that the gospel is not age-specific. Your guest this morning, what you saw here is part of Grace Point Church. And I'm so happy about the people we get to walk with and do life. Ms. Don is across the street with our kids. They're having fun out in the grass. And we always say this together as me and her. We're the richest people on the planet because we we're surrounded with family, with, fam with younger family, older family. And we know if we ever, a guy ever will lay our lives down, we have someone behind us to take over. Come on, somebody. That's what it's about. And we know this church will exist for the next 100 years. So I don't get discouraged looking out. I get encouraged looking back. And I see what's coming up behind us. And I know what, it's amazing. Come on, somebody, right? So if you, again, college students, thank you for coming out. And we want, um, at this time, we're going to play a blessing over you. But as we pray this blessing over you, I want you to start thinking bigger about yourselves. See, you're not a project of a mission field. You're a mission force. How many young people are kind of upset about today's society? How many have been praying about some change? How many have been praying for the Calvary? Young people, how many have been praying for the Calvary? You're waiting for someone to show up. Okay, you want to do it? You want to find out who the Calvary is? Say, that's me. <laughs> You're the Calvary. You're the gifted. You're the most anointed generation coming. You're the gold nation right now. You are the now nation. The gifts and callings that God has given each and every one of you in every university is because he loves other people so much that you can reach them on your campus. You can reach them wherever God places you. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. And we're so excited about you being here. How many people from ACU are here this morning? ACU don't scream much, do they? That's, yeah, no, they don't scream. See, how many people from ACU here this morning? All right, now, you can stand. Okay, stand up wherever you are, ACU. Okay, how many Harden Simmons people I got in here this morning? I'm a little hard of hearing on the uh, HSU. What's that again? Okay, you may stand up too. You qualify to stand up. Now, I know I have the loudest. I know there's some people in this room. Because they come from certain places, they know how to scream. And I think that's McMurray University. Ain't McMurray University here? All right, that, that was weak. I just set y'all up. Any, okay, any new informer HSU students, you can stand too, because you, you, know, you don't have no money, so we're going to pay. You're going to feed you. McMurray. What am I saying? McMurray. One more time. McMurray. Can't hear you. One more time. Now, you qualify to stand. I'm so sorry. I get, I'm old. I got the wrong thing here. Do I have any Texas Tech University nursing students? I need a nurse right about now. Do we have one? Um, um, sir? Oh, well, I'm not calling him out, so. That's my son over there, yeah. He should be in class right about now. <laughs> congregation, just turn around and lay your hand, just spread your hands out to this amazing generation. I'm so sorry I called the college campus wrong. That's what happens when you get my age. I'm only 26. Okay, we cast out something later. Father, I thank you this morning. It's amazing young people, those who are 
standing students and non-traditional students that are standing. Father, I thank you for every one of them. I thank you for the gifts and calling that in every other one of them. God, I pray that they didn't just come here to receive. They came to participate and, and to give and to, and to spread out and do the greatness of your kingdom, to glorify you. Thank you, Father. We are the real and the richest churches in, the, in, in our city because we have the young people in our city coming. And we send them, we, we train them, we, we lift them up, and we send them out. Thank you for the gifts that are in this room standing right here. They know, I know they all have a career. They have something they have to do. But, Father, I know you sent them with an intimate purpose is to spread your kingdom and give you glory. Equip them now. I know they just started, Father. We pray no stress, no nothing on their campus, on the work they got to get done. You ordained them before the foundation of earth that they will be here at this very time, at this very moment, in this very space. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, they're walking in the very steps that you have called them to walk in. Connect them to you most of all, and connect them to one another and connect them to the church that you have for them. And we pray it's here. We pray it's here. We thank you for every one of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.